Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit organization whose mission is dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We educate pet parents about the importance of planning for their pets using a pet trust, and we provide pet trustee services. Today, I am so thrilled to be able to welcome our special guests. I have with me Michelle and Jeff Allen, and they are the founders of Monkey's House, a dog hospice and sanctuary that was established back in 2015. Michelle is an RNBSN, member of the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care, and a 2017 CNN Hero recipient. And Jeff leads a dual life. He helps people and dogs alike as a manager in human resources at a pharmaceutical company and by running Monkey's House. And you can find them at monkeyshouse.org. And he does this every day with his beautiful wife, Michelle. Their sanctuary has been recognized for its outstanding work, saving and caring for hospice dogs, and was awarded Rescue of the Year in 2017 by the World Dog Expo. They live their lives among 20-something dogs, and we're going to talk about that, but this has given Michelle and Jeff the experience and hands-on knowledge you can't find in any book, and they live in southern New Jersey with their pack of furry kids. Gosh, that is so amazing. You guys have done such a great job, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Peggy. Yeah, I think this is going to be a blast. Um, So for... People that have never heard of Monkey's House, and I have to admit, I'm one of those people, and, and I don't like not knowing about things that are great like this, but um, just start and tell me a little bit about what the inspiration was to come up with a dog hospice and sanctuary. Like everything that changes your life, it happened by accident. Um, we adopted um, two dogs from a shelter, and it was such a healing experience after losing one of our own that we wanted to give back. Um, so we started doing laundry. We wanted to help in any way where we didn't have to go into the shelter. And we started fostering. And our second foster was a hospice dog um, that no one knew she was that sick. And the the journey, um, the journey with Goldie, her name was her name was Goldie. She was a beautiful old golden retriever. And as you walked beside her, you could, she had a huge stride. You could feel like in her youth, she was athletic and it was just kind of an honor to be in her presence and the struggle of trying to get her through this period and correctly diagnosed um, without shelter medicine doesn't really address the needs of seniors let alone six seniors Um, so trying to get her through this period was extremely frustrating and it was a real eye-opener that there is no option there's there's really nothing available for for dogs that are homeless that have terminal diagnoses and we, we need options. This was before GoFundMe's. Um, and 
we started after Goldie, we continued to foster and we kept trying to think of a way to do this on a bigger level. And it took about five good years of planning, but we did, we were able to sort it out. That's excellent. And I love the idea that everything wonderful that happens is usually by accident. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I know that Goldie would be proud as well, but you, you got the name from Monkey's House from another dog. So Jeff, tell us that story. So, yeah, so there was Goldie, and then next we had Monkey. Monkey is, by the time we got Goldie, and, and Michelle being a registered nurse, she's excellent with taking care of the, the sick dogs. And we've gotten a lot of requests from the local shelters to take in and foster the sicker dogs because most people couldn't or didn't know how to. So Monkey was one of those dogs. He had uh, a very bad heart, uh, congestive heart failure. He had uh, teeth that were so bad, they uh, we used to call, we called him Stinky at first. It was kind of a joke, <laughs> the poor guy. But he was he was a cute little Heinz fifty seven, and the the shelter vet said, well, he's only going to live about a month. And Michelle, knowing we've taken care of dogs before that had heart conditions, we wanted him to see a cardiologist, and and then be on like these four dollars meds uh, a month. Some very inexpensive meds would make a huge difference on this on monkey. But the shelter vet's like, no, just take him home, keep him comfortable. He only has about a month to live and, and just let him die comfortably. Well, that doesn't sit with us. Um, our right. whole goal is to make make the, the time that they have remaining the best it can be. We don't care if it's a week, months, or even a year, but it has to be the best. So we adopted monkey, um, got him to our cardiologist got the right meds, and he was just this active little guy for 17 months that loved life to the fullest. And um, because of Monkey, uh, Michelle actually, we talked about starting a, a nonprofit to, to help more hospice dogs. And one day I was at work and Michelle shot me an email and said, hey, check this out. And she actually started uh, Monkey's House on Facebook and said, here, I started this for you. So that was kind of the start of it. Oh my gosh. So just an idea and a dog and a great name. Um, did monkey look like a monkey? No, but he had, he had his uh, canine. He only had his bottom canines, right? He had hit uppers, but that was oh, it. Yeah, but that was it. So then they stuck out too. So he, he had, had a legendary little... underbite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love the names that people give their pets and uh, and I I've had the share of opportunities to uh, foster and or adopt some senior dogs as well and um, I just love the seniors they're so great they really are um, and as we know all dogs are wonderful I mean there are no bad dogs right nope there there really aren't. <laughs> um, I mean I live with seven dogs you guys live with. 20 something dogs tell us a little bit about that pack and how you came to um, be associated with that particular pack that you have right now uh, some come to us from um, shelters and uh, one or two have transferred in from other rescues um, if if they're not up for the hospice experience but we don't take them from the public we take them from shelters and generally it's after everything else has been exhausted if by accident they're fixable, 
We fix them up. We dub them with a name, Imposter, which sounds like a bad name, but we're so proud of these dogs. We, we say they must be pretty cool if they can fake like they're dying to come here. And we'll place them, when they're all ready, we'll place them with one of our partner rescues and get them a forever home. But for the most part, the ones that come here are here for the long haul. Right. I, I love the imposters for sure. Yeah. I I had an imposter once. I actually took her to the vet. I thought she was not going to survive and he didn't give her any more than about three days to live. And uh, so I was going to, I was going to make the hard decision and put her to sleep. And then I just had this feeling come over me that that would be the wrong decision. Wow. So I, yeah. And I looked at her and I said, Sassy, what do you want to do? And she looked at me and she wagged her tail and she went, arf, arf. And I said, okay, load up, baby. We're going home. And yeah. she lived another year and a half. Oh, that's awesome. That is and, awesome. Yeah, it was just something spoke to my heart and said, you know, today is not the day. And, um, and she did terrific for the next year and a half. And um, one of my favorite stories to tell. Um. Tell us about your unique approach to hospice and, and maybe explain for people that maybe don't know what pet hospice is. Um, why would a dog end up in hospice in the first place? Our dogs end up here for various reasons. So many of them, um, you, you know, people get sick and families get overwhelmed and the care of the loved one is overwhelming and the dog gets overlooked. Um, so their illnesses, their lumps, their mats go unnoticed and then the family member passes and then a really sick grieving dog ends up in in a shelter and that's something that rips my heart to shreds but it's a it's a reality of many of the dogs that come here um like i said we only take them from the shelters we don't take them from the public we want to help the public work with their sick dogs and and keep them there um but uh we let me just say i was a nurse and there's a lot of things that we can't do for people that we make sure the dogs get. Um, we approach it from a holistic standpoint um, with nutrition, with supplements, vets, with um, rehab, with whatever it takes to make them feel as well as they can feel. And if all they feel is well enough to be in a wagon, we make it the best it can be. If they feel well enough to go for a long walk, we do that too, whatever it takes. Well, in our... Thing. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just adding to that is that, you know, we monkey's house is at our is in our home. So it's a home environment. We have uh, volunteers. Of course, right now it's a little challenging with COVID-19. But prior to COVID-19, we had a lot of volunteers, which we called aunts and uncles because Michelle ter coined that term. You need to be part of a family to really get to know these dogs, to be the best you can be to, to help them out. So we have aunts and uncles that come over. They get plenty of love. And I think the, the home environment makes a huge difference as well. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah if you came over, Peggy, the dogs are on the sofas and you would have to sit on the floor. It's, <laughs> it's how it is. I completely understand because uh, you'd have a hard time finding room on my sofa as well. Yep. Yep. So, um, yes, I, it does crack me up when uh, maybe people that are not as big a dog lovers as we might be, you know, they come over to your house and they're like, well, where did you want me to sit? And I'm like, <laughs> anywhere where there's not a dog, unless you can get the dog to move. Yeah. Um, 
So you guys talk about the holistic approach, which I love because I, I'm a very um, holistic approach type person myself, the way I take care of all of my animals, because I think it is a, a whole experience. It's not just, you don't do just one thing, you do a lot of things. Yeah. So one of the things that I know that you like is what you call food therapy. Talk about that. Food therapy is a component in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. Um, it's like acupuncture. Um, it's one of those components. And food has a tremendous power to heal. I would say what we do in a nutshell is very similar to eating clean, getting rid of anything that doesn't need to be in the food. But then we customize it for what's going to help their body the most. So just um, the energetics of food. If you have a dog that's really itchy and really uncomfortable, you want to feed them a cooling food. And a cooling food um, helps makes the body stay cool. So in the hot summer day, a cucumber salad is a delicious idea and a lasagna is not so much. So we feed dogs a cooling diet to help the, help their bodies work and fight with whatever illness or um, condition that they're, that they're battling at the moment. And um, over time, it decreases the medicine we need to use or the time where we need to start using the more serious medicines. Um, it makes some problems go away. We don't cure anything, but stuff kind of goes to the back burners. And it gives them a tremendous quality of life. And it's the best, you know, it's hard to see in a puppy because you don't have a baseline. But when you have an old dog that can hardly walk and, you know, doesn't seem to wag its tail and has a million issues, and you see in two weeks that they're looking better and you haven't done that much yet, it's pretty impressive. And, and you know, the, the coolest thing is, like Michelle says, the dog is kind of comes here. It's it's very lackadaisical. It, after a couple of weeks eating this healthy food, they become a little bit of a troublemaker, and we love tr <laughs> we love that we love troublemaker dogs because it's like wow, here's this hospice dog who's who's enjoying himself again. Cause you know, chasing. We have a couple of cats too, so they're chasing the cats around. You know, not that that's cool, but <laughs> it does make us smile. Yeah, no, I know because my dogs get after my cats every now and then, and it the cats love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they taunt them, as you know. Yep. Um, so I see some amazing success stories on your website at monkeyshouse.org. And I have to ask about Hannah Bear. Um, because I have a little palm that's right here on my lap right now. His name is Piper. And he's a wolf sable. So he's an unusual color, kind of like Hannah Bear is. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Hannah Bear and and how Hannah came into your life. Hannah was at um, a local shelter and she was time stamped, which means scheduled to be put to sleep. She was found as a, as a stray dog. And she, you were talking about her beautiful coat. She had no hair from her neck back. Oh. Um, she had huge ulcerated mammary masses, which meant they were almost touching the ground. They had popped open and were draining a tremendous amount. Um, it took us a while. We started off with our holistic vet. And we had to come up with a plan to remove the mammary masses. And it took a little while. It took some, some non-traditional magic to help reduce the mammary masses, the size of them, so that there'd be enough skin to close afterwards. In the four weeks it took us to get Hannah well enough for the surgery, the last week she started to not do well. She was sleeping. She wasn't eating. 
And I got a hold of Dr. Morgan right away, brought her in for blood work. Her organ function was fine, but she was she was sick. Her white count was through the roof. So the morning of the surgery, we talked. They, she did an exam. She x-rayed her, and it looked like the cancer had spread to her lungs. And I didn't think Hannah was going to be with us long if we didn't do something. One of the things we weren't sure of was she may have had pyometra, which is a uterine infection that's extremely serious and life-threatening, and especially in, in old dogs, actually in all dogs. But I asked Dr. Morgan, I said, that shot, the first shot to knock them out for surgery, that's the same one they start with for euthanasia, right? And she said, yes. So I said, can I hold her while you knock her out? And she said, sure. So we gambled, we rolled the dice, um, Hannah soared through the surgery. Her uterus was gigantic and nasty. Her memory masses were nasty. And she came home with this gigantic, sparkly blue vet wrap <laughs> dressing. And within two days, she was up chasing our poor kitty. Oh, uh, my gosh. And prior to that, she was fine with our kitties. It was she, she rallied like you couldn't believe. And she was with us for over two years with the lung cancer. Yeah, yeah. Her, fa her favorite, well, actually, she loved the winter and the summer. She would always love the outdoors. One of the things we like to do is take uh, a lot of field trips uh, with the dogs. It's, you know, it really is where dogs go to live. That's what we like to call Monkey's House. So we have a senior citizen bus that we converted. So it's now a senior dog bus. And we live fairly close to the Jersey Shore. So we'll go down there every couple of months or we'll go to the to Pine Barrens. It's, it's a state forest here in New Jersey. And Hannah would just love going everywhere. And here's a dog that, you know, she lives an extra two years. She lived Enjoying by life. Yeah, she lived yeah by that's a great story. And she turned out beautiful with a beautiful coat. She did. She did. She was incredible. All right. Well, I think I would be remiss, though, if I didn't ask about Buck and how he became one of your greatest teachers. Oh, my goodness. So when we first opened, um, we were struggling to define what hospice meant and how sick was sick and, and how did we define terminal. Um, and um, I brought Buck home when Dr. Morgan was vacationing and she was on one of those vacations where she was disengaging from everything and just on the beach somewhere. And uh, I knew Buck had a great free murmur, that's what the shelter vet said, and had some other issues, but he had... He passed out twice on the way home from the shelter. He was he was sicker than what I would have wanted to, with my vet out of touch. Um, but uh, when she examined him, she said, "Well, you know." She, she looked at his blood work. She looked at everything, and she said, "This. I hope you're really serious because this dog is going to die. Um, he has advanced heart disease, advanced lung disease. He has a seizure disorder. Um, he has skin issues. He has cancer." Um, he was deaf and he was going blind at the time. He went blind during his time with us. And uh, and she was right. Four years and two months later, he passed away. Oh, my God. Um, and he was, you, you know, if, if you wanted to take a course in, is it time to put your dog to sleep yet? That would have been awful. But with Buck... Um, what was nice was he was small. He was 17 pounds. So if he was having a bad day, I could keep him with me. I could move him in his bed from wherever I went to anywhere else I went. Um, I could give him constant supervision, constant care. And it was really pretty easy. He was also open to being cared for. So some dogs, if they're not eating, you you can't 
you can't syringe a little bit of goat's milk down their mouth. You can't put food down their, their mouth or, or pills. Some dogs you can. Buck was, Buck was willing to do all that. And um, there were times when I thought we were going to lose him. And he said, no, I'm still here. Calm down. I'm still here. And he was a, a great teacher and a great companion. And I'm so glad we had the opportunity to learn such powerful lessons from him. Well, sometimes they say that they show up in our lives to teach us lessons, right? Uh, he sure did. And he came just at the right time because he was one of the one of the first dogs, not the first, but one of the Third. first dogs we pulled into Monkey's house and taught Michelle and, and myself a ton. Oh, that is so great. And he's such a cutie pie, too. So um, I, I know when you have a deep love for dogs and, and you are specifically working with seniors and hospice um, animals like you are, that loss is a part of that process. Um, how, how, what would you tell people who are listening, you know, how you deal with that loss? Because you probably deal with it a lot more than other people. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we'll deal with it 20 times in a year. Um, the first thing I want to say is if you have the gift of knowing your dog has a terminal disease, don't miss an opportunity for anything. If they want to play ball, play ball. If they want to go for a walk, take them for a walk. If they're not up to it, but they can do a car ride, take them. Have, have no regrets. The second thing is that if you can imagine what it's like without your dog and it's it's paralyzing to think about it, honestly. I think I think that's a good word to describe probably what most people would say. Right. And w- what I can say is don't waste your time doing that because it's going to happen at some point and then you can have your feelings at that point. Um, but what I would also say is that it doesn't kill you. We, we keep waking up the next day. So we would rather bear the pain that have these dogs betrayed in the shelter the way they die. It doesn't matter how good the shelter is, how kind the people are. These dogs are these go- dogs are thrown away in a way that it it just rips my heart out. So we'll bear that pain. Uh, I like the way you explained that, Michelle. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, and so does that lead us into the question of how you were inspired to write where dogs go to live? You know, in, in some ways it was, uh, you know, these dogs have amazing stories and uh, to, to bring them home here to Monkey's house, to see them thrive. I think it's, I think it needs to be told. The stories need to be told to tell people like your dogs, they deserve love and respect all the way to the end. And that you can, like Michelle said, if your dog does have a, a senior dog or, or even not senior, but has a terminal diagnosis, get become knowledgeable. Knowledge is is the great great equalizer, right? You become knowledgeable. You can do the best you can do, uh, working with your vet, doing some things at home, but enjoying the time. You know, I think that's key. That's a key aspect that we like to focus on. Um, and then, you know, I think that is what really inspired me to write. We, there's so many great stories. You know, we we have a lot of followers on on Facebook that follows Monkey's House, and we put posts out every night, and people from all around the world just just love it. And I'm like, you know, we have to we have to do more of that. One thing that really impressed Michelle and I is that when one of the followers, one of we call them Facebook family, we call them our family. One of our family members says, you know, by following you guys 
I took the chance and adopted a senior dog with medical issues. I mean, that's the best we can do. The yeah. other thing is, is that we've, we've, we're as, as big as we can get here right now. We, we do use um, Forever Fosters and we try to help other rescues when we can with some guidance. But w what we can do now, because we, we, want, we want seniors and hospice dogs to not end up in the shelter. That's what we want. We'd like to do that and then go on vacation. Um, we like to put ourselves right. out of business. <laughs> so, so, so to continue to inspire and to educate, this is you know we have we have our social media page, but we need to find other revenues. And people really don't want to sit down and talk to someone who runs a hospice. So uh, we have to whatever opportunity we can to to inspire people, to encourage people, to tell them there is hope. Even if your dog is going to die tomorrow, there's things you can do better from now until tomorrow. That when your heart is done breaking, you'll be glad you did. And we can help people have a more active participating role in the life of their senior. I get so sad when people put a picture of their dog on Facebook and say, Fluffy just turned seven. I'm so sad they're getting old. And I'm like, seven? Seven isn't old. And right. Fluffy wouldn't be able to come in here unless they had this, 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 and this wrong. Like, don't don't do that. Say fluffy seven. It means they need to go to the vet a little bit more frequently. I might need to be more careful of the activities we do, but hey, bring it on. So yeah, definitely. We, we, seven we, is nothing, huh? Yeah. So, so we really try, we're really trying to use our book where dogs go to live to, to inspire others, to get the word out. Yeah. Well, and I know it's doing that. And I know that um, for you and for dogs in particular, living in the moment is so important. So tell us why that's valuable to you as well. Well, so I can tell you that um, one of our old dogs was having some breathing problems. So we sent him to the vet and he had x-rays. Or I can tell you Champ, our very beloved dog, was whisked away by two of his favorite ants and he went to our vet's office where he loves everyone and they give him way too many cookies. He had a quick x-ray and was diagnosed with aspiration pneumonia. And we have tools to stay on top of this now. So aspiration pneumonia is very serious, but it's not contagious. And it's something that's, he had a, a problem with his throat closing before and we had to do some surgery, the vet had to do some surgery to straighten that out. So it's, He's at risk. This is one of the things that could happen, but we needed to be sure of what was going on. And um, it's, hang on, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that, that's okay. Well, Jeff uh, can save you. So, yes. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So it, it is, as you said, living in the moment is, is critical. You know, in the book, we talk about one dog called L.A., which was a, a pit lab mix. And, and she was the crinkiest, quirkiest old dog I think we've had like you looked at her you'd like wow she looked like the like the, the typical 110 year old guy you'd see all you know punched over and that's how she looked but you know what her moment was she had to always be on the front porch even in the winter time where we had to put tons of blankets down we had a he special outdoor heating pad for her because she wanted that sun on her face we have some chickens that roam around here. Chickens would come up and say hello to her in the morning. Or our cat, grandpa, would lay on top of her. So all these things. But she loved it. And she was she, she was like what you said. She did not want to go. Right? She said, no, I am, I'm not ready to go. And she passed quietly in the night one time. I think she just 
held on as long as she could because she loved those little moments. It's, it doesn't have to be grand. It just has to be something, you know, and to them it's it's spectacular. They're content. They're content with what they have and they don't mourn what doesn't work. Um, you know, we all used to run faster. We all used to be able to jump higher. And the dogs are just, you know, if, if they couldn't get to their water bowl yesterday and today they have to have the water bowl brought to them, that's okay as so long as it comes with an ear rub, a belly rub, and an extra treat. So they're they're very good at making the best with what they have in the moment. I, and I do love that about dogs. Um, I love that about all animals is that they, they don't worry about what happened yesterday. They're not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. They're just like, what's happening right now? And let's have fun. You know, let's have a party. Um, uh, which I love because every night I get home from work and I have a dog party. I am, <laughs> Yay. I am so loved, you know, I can't even get out of my car. They're climbing in the car on top of me, you know, as I'm trying to get out. Um, and it just, it brings a smile to your face and, and they're just so, so special in so many ways. So I know you mentioned your vet, Dr. Morgan, and I'm going to guess that that's Dr. Judy Morgan. That is. And uh, Judy has been a guest on this show as well. And um, I have actually had the great opportunity to meet her in person. So um, she and I were, yeah, she is. We were both contenders for uh, woman of the year for women in the pet industry. And uh, she won for um, (laughs) women in the pet industry. She was woman of the year. I was a runner up, but I got to be entrepreneur woman of the year. That's way nice. That's way yeah, cool. but that was really fun, and I had a great time meeting her and had a great time having her on the show, and I'm so happy to hear that you are working with her and doing all of the good things that she does. Thank you. Um, tell us how we can support what you do. What what does um, Monkey's House need the most? So I guess there's a, there's a few things, right? First, we would love people to, you know, look at purchase the book or just look, you know, you can look on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, online, even in bookstores. So it's available everywhere. Uh, that would be terrific. Uh, check us out on monkeyshouse.org. It's our website. Uh, there's some information out there about us. And then really, if you you want to want really inspiring, every, every day we do some posts. And it's amazing that people fall in love with these dogs from around the world. Uh, so, you know, become a follower of us on on uh, Facebook and it's, we do have an Instagram as well. Uh, we're bigger on Facebook right now, uh, but those are the things. And then uh, on our website, if you really do want to support us financially, that's always welcome because when you have this many vet bills, you know, we are uh, supported by donations. We're a nonprofit and on our website, there's different ways that you can donate or do Amazon smile. You, know, we have an Amazon wish list, So there's different ways that people can help out. Okay, so you've made it super easy for them to uh, get on board, help out what you're doing. Um, Great ways to be able to purchase the book as well. And I just can't thank you guys enough for all the work you're doing on behalf of dogs. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for this great opportunity. Yeah, so I have a couple more questions because I can't let you go yet because I need to ask about the dog that's on the cover of the book, Where Dogs Go to Live. So the dog on the cover is Much Love Bob. And Much Love Bob has a long story. I'll try to keep it shorter. Um, he, was, he was obviously rescued from a shelter and 
His name was what was his name? Was Mr. Bean? Yeah, his name was Mr. Bean. But the foster mom, uh, we have quarantine fosters, so they take them for a couple weeks before they come here to make sure that um, you know they're they're not sick and and bring anything in here to Monkey's house. So she nicknamed him uh, Feisty Bob because he was getting on top of her dining room table. Believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the room table. And then but she she got him in, under control. And a couple of weeks later, he came here. Now, the shelter vet said that he was only going to last uh, a few weeks. He, he had a very short time span. And we, again, with the healthy food, we started on healthy food. And, and we changed his name to, to uh, Relax Bob because we couldn't have a feisty Bob on top of the dining room table. <laughs> and, but all of the now the facebook followers at time they fell in love with bob if you look at his eyes on the cover of the book oh yeah you'll know why yeah and it was so funny they they d- demanded to have his name changed which was fine because he was deaf anyway and he couldn't hear <laughs> so it was much love bob they they all voted they wanted much love bob so we'd call him much love bob or ml bob and he was with us for I think almost nine months, and it was so funny because halfway through, he didn't want to eat the healthy food anymore. So, he didn't want to eat any food. Yeah, he didn't want to eat any food. So his favorite thing, one of his actually his quarantine foster mom, would bring him peanut butter pies. Uh, they were dog baked peanut butter pies specifically for dogs, and he loved those. And he got into eating pizza and pancakes, you name it. But he started eating. Now it's totally against what our philosophy, but since I'd say a few months in, it looked like he really was going to pass. And she brought over chicken nuggets. He ate the chicken, and he had a very extended stomach because he had cancer throughout his body, like a lot of fluids in his stomach. He ate that those nuggets, and the next morning, most of that fluid was gone. Really, it was like a miracle. It was really strange. He hadn't eaten for about six or seven days prior to that. And there's an old, like in in chemistry with osmosis and diffusion, water follows salt. It's just not um, standard, the gold standard care for ascites, Um, not in holistic and not in traditional medicine. It was just a little miracle that happened here. But his hunger strike scared us straight. So we let him make the menu after that. That is funny because I remember when my dad was in the nursing home and, you know, they're always trying to restrict their diets and, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that. And darn it, he wanted Bob Evans country sausage (laughs) biscuits and that's what you get. So I think that if Bob wanted chicken nuggets, that's what much love Bob should have. That's what he got. I yeah, think that's it, it was so funny too because we have at the time too we still had 20, 20 plus or minus dogs here, and we would try to we try to post different dogs and tell the stories and the, how this dog's doing tonight or today how they made out. People, if we didn't put post a picture of Bob every night, we heard about it. Where's ML Bob? Well, I want to see ML <laughs> Bob. All right, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So he had his own fan club. He, he did. certainly did. He did. That is terrific. Um, so that just goes to underscore the fact that every dog can make a difference in somebody's life in some way. And, um, I mean, I can only imagine what feeding time's like around your house. I know what it's like at my house. So it must be a process. It is. It is. We have to have the food prepared in advance. You can't really do 
prep much prep in it you know while you're at feeding time because there's so many um, so we have cooked and we have raw and we have different types and we have a long countertop with each dog's name written in a spot and then their name is also written on their bowl because once you put the bowl in the spot you can't see you can't see who's there right and, you know, somebody you know these dogs get mct oil these dogs get coq10 so it just makes it easier to toss things in the right spot and it's a good double check to make sure because some of them do take medications in their in their food you know we need to make sure that the right dogs get the right food absolutely the process is you know with feeding and then you know doing your walks and your cleanup it's a good two plus hours for one feeding sure but we I consider it a, that. it's a treatment it's a therapy it's as important as anything else we do here so Sure, absolutely. So, do you live on um, property? Do you have property in in New yes, Jersey? Yes, we have we have a little farm, six acres. It's not big, but it's and we are. You know, I I I'm telling you guys that we're in New Jersey. Southern New Jersey still lives up to the tag. You know, Garden State because there's we have nothing around us. We have a vineyard behind us. We have uh, cornfields and soybean fields uh, all over the place. There's a couple of old farmhouses near us. So, luckily, we are way out in the country. Um, so we can, you know, if the dogs are barking at night, they don't bother anybody. Not not that they're out at night. They're in the house sleeping on couches and little beds. But uh, we're out taking walks. You know, the beagles, they, they like to sing on their walks. So, Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. My sister has two beagles, both of whom showed up at her house um, and uh, never left. Figured out they had a pretty good thing going there. And so, yes, I have had my share of beagles waking me up at three o'clock in the morning, telling me what's in the yard. <laughs> the best All right. System. They are great alarm systems. Um, okay. I have to ask this. What do George Clooney and Mary Poppins have to do with Monkey's House? So Mary Poppins is what we call our crash cart. Um, if a dog starts to have troubles breathing, we are very quick to get them on a cooling pad, to get a fan in front of their face. We have oxygen here. We have, I, I would call them um, comfort measures, but comfort measures that you want to be able to grab really fast and not have to be away from the dog. Um, so if somebody starts to have an issue, we grab Mary Poppins. And when you think of Mary Poppins, she was a beautiful, magical woman that made everything feel better. And... So if I say to somebody, can you get the crash cart? That doesn't feel good. That doesn't sound good. And the last thing you want to do is upset the rest of the dogs. You need to stay calm. So if we say, hey, go get Mary Poppins. We're bringing the lady that travels around and floats through the air with an umbrella and can sing super califragilistic. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit of magic in a box um, that brings comfort in an extreme time. George Clooney is a, is a, gigantic freezer that I guess you would see at a grocery store um, that was donated to us by a company called Minus 40 that has a tremendous capacity to hold a, a tremendous amount of food and it's got LED lights to go all the way around it and it's clear glass so that you can see in exactly what you have, what you need, what you need to thaw. It's beautiful to look at. No no disrespect to George Clooney, but it's just really pretty to look at. So <laughs> that's why I named the freezer George Clooney. I love it. I love. I bet he would be honored. I, I hope he would be. I th I think he would. I think he likes dogs. 
Yeah, he, he, he is actually a supporter, of, uh, and he actually adopted a senior dog, I believe. But we try to, you know, it's funny, you know, Mary Poppins, George Clooney, we have a place that's called The Cottage that, you know, it's kind of separated. It's, it's attached to the house, but it's on the other end of the house where some dogs live in the cottage. It looks like this little English Tudor almost, small little thing. But we try to be very positive in names uh, even dog, so this is non-dog names, but dog names. So if a dog comes here, and Michelle's very good at this, so if you have a dog here that seems to be very weak and timid, she'll give him a strong, positive name because that's what we want the dog to be, right? So, And the same thing on the opposite end. If we have a dog that's very active, we might give him a more relaxed name, like 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 <laughs> relaxed Bob. Right. And so that's what we try to do It's because we really do feel – and we – we always say, look, when dogs come here, we don't, we really don't know anything about their past. We are concerned about from today forward. So we don't think negative thoughts. We don't think negative thoughts of the people that had them prior to us. It's all positive. And that's what we try to keep at Monkey's House is positive attitude. And we feel that that really also helps towards longevity and quality in, in their lives. You uh, you said that perfectly. So now I'm dying to know because how in the world did you two find each other? We were a blind date. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we were. So we both we both grew up with a lot of animals. Uh, I had I had horses at my house. Michelle actually still had a horse at her house or at a barn, and we, somebody hooked us up because they knew I guess they used to ride. And they say, Hey, why don't you go riding with? I got someone for you to ride with, and that was our first date. Horseback riding. And it was funny because we agreed that we didn't really like each other, but we really loved the woman who hooked, who, who hooked us up together. So we dated for a little while no, to humor her. No, we didn't like each other. It was that wasn't love at there first was, sight. There was, yeah, it was not love at first sight. So we dated each other to to kind of make Marsha happy. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. It's like we said, like we started. Great things happen when you're not expecting it. Sure. Well, and... It was a match made in heaven, I think, because now look where you are and all that you do. Um, Michelle, you're spending full time taking care of animals. Is that right? Double full time. Yeah, double full time. 24-7. Yeah. 365. And Jeff, you're still leading a dual life? Yes, I'm still leading a dual life. Uh, since COVID-19, I have been working remote, uh, but uh, that, that's been working out fine. Yeah. You know, working in, so I work for a pharmaceutical company in the HR area, but really HR technology. So I have a team that supports, you know, like the recruiting system, the payroll system and things like that. So I've been doing that during the days and then helping out at Monkey's House during the evenings when, um, and then for the past couple of years, also writing the book. <laughs> so been pretty busy. Yeah. Never a dull moment, right? No. I think that's terrific. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, for sharing all about Monkey's House and all of the wonderful animals that you have had the opportunity to pass through your doors and, and make a difference. Um, I could sit here and ask questions about each one of these dogs forever because I love hearing the stories. Thank you. And maybe you. we'll ask one more story because I can't let this one go. On your homepage, um, there is a uh, looks like a bird dog of some sort in a brown leather chair. Oh, Champ. That's Champ. 
Champ, um, we do know a little bit about his past. He was in an outreach program for a local shelter um, where the court mandated, he, he lived with his owner, but the court mandated that the shelter workers go out once a month and bring food and supplies, worming medicine, flea medicine, that kind of thing. And he didn't lead an easy life. And then the SPCA in New Jersey was removed about two years ago. And the shelter workers would go there and the owner would no longer let them in. And they could see him through the window declining. And they kept going there. They kept leaving stuff. And it was heart-wrenching for them. Then something happened with the owner and Champ became available for rescue. And we have a form, an intake form on our on our website. We have certain information that we exchange back and forth with um, placement people from shelters. And uh, Mar Maria didn't do that. She, I, I know her well. Um, she sent me a video and um, she was crying and she said, I didn't know he was this bad. There was nothing anyone could do. Um, her daughter has this really cute little squeaky voice and she said, he'll be okay, mama. He just needs love. And we couldn't say no. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they just have to win. You know, you just have to win. Right. So that was... Um, last September. Um, he is still with us now. Um, he he became, that picture that you're referring to, um, he actually had a stamp, a champ stamp that was available for a little while. Um, and he's he's living a pretty charmed life now. Um, it, he has his, his issues, but he's, he's leading a good life. Looks like he's adapted pretty well if that's a chair in your home where he's yeah. having a nice... Uh, so that's a human chair that we removed the legs from. Right. Okay, so, so yeah, close to, to the ground. Yeah, sure. Um, well, there. I mean, not a day goes by that you can't think of fun stories to tell about the dogs and all of the great impacts that they have on your life. And, and thank you. And I hope our listeners will join you on Facebook and visit your website and be generous in their donations um, so that you can continue to do the good work um, by the book, Where Dogs Go to Live by Jeff and Michelle Allen. Um, so exciting. Thank you so much for being on the show. I can't thank you enough. Um, I know you have lots of links out there. I'll put them up on our blog so that folks can find you there. And um, I'm just glad to know you. Thank you very so much, nice, Peggy. So nice, to, so nice to know you. Thank you. for Yeah, I really appreciate it. So to our listeners, I hope you'll join us each and every week when we talk to somebody really incredible in the animal world. And you know my favorite saying, it is, until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll see you next time. Happy tails. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!